What is going on? Alex Slinsky here for the Get More Clients show. Hope you are doing well today. As always, I am joined with my co-host, Brian Downard. How you doing, buddy? Living the dream. Yes, sir. We are now on lucky number 13, our 13th episode. Incredible for all of you out there that have been listening to us. Thank you so much. For anyone that's new, the Get More Clients show is exactly what you anticipate. Yes, it's all about how to get more clients. Now, we're also going to be talking about how to retain more clients, how to build a business more effectively and all that jazz. And today, specifically, we're going to be talking about the seven mistakes agency owners and coaches make on the path to $84,000. Yes, if you do that every single month, that's the a million dollar run rate. We're gonna help you do it a lot quicker and more effectively so you don't have to go through the same obstacles that everyone does. If you're listening to this show, that's what you're gonna be here for. So if you wanna get to 84K, if you wanna get there faster and avoid obstacles, that's why you should stick around. That's why you should be here so we can impact your business and grow the way you want to. Now, as always, you can watch all of our episodes on YouTube and listen to us on your favorite podcast apps. We only ask you to please subscribe to help us reach more incredible entrepreneurs just like you. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, do all that jazz for us. It really helps a ton. Let's dive on in right off the top and talk about number one. What's the number one obstacle? Now, for clarity, we didn't necessarily put this in order of the seven you know, biggest obstacles. They're just seven massive obstacles that we see agency owners and coaches make in the path to hitting 84K. So they're not necessarily in order. It doesn't mean that number three isn't as valuable as number seven. They're all important. They all mean something. So let's start here with number one, and this is the hustle culture environment. Now, I just wanna start up with this model at the first step here. Brian nor myself are saying you shouldn't work hard. Hard work is a prerequisite to any sort of success at all in any way, in anything that you do in your life. It doesn't matter if it's a business, if it's a job, if it's uh, you know sports, if it's relationships, it, whatever it is, everything in life requires hard work. Obviously there's that really common platitude of like, you know, <clears throat> hard work equals success type of model. It's not exactly like that, um, but hard work beats talent every day. It's another one of their platitudes. Uh, but I think the reason I'm bringing up platitudes at all is because my least favorite platitude, and I think one of the biggest problems agency owners, coaches, and consultants have, entrepreneurs in general, on the path to 84K, is this hustle platitude that you have to like work yourself into the grindstone to make yourself meat paste by working so hard that you become nothing more than the job itself. This idea of building a business just by putting in extra elbow grease doesn't really get you where you want to be long term because there's no plan in place. There's so many entrepreneurs that are so incredibly talented and work so hard, but they don't have a plan. They don't have a North Star. They don't have milestones to achieve to actually make anything that you want to achieve achievable because you don't know how to get there and you don't know where you're going. So instead of focusing on how do I get to my goal, you're just working really hard. And the problem is many times you're probably working in circles or you're working backwards or you're not making any progress whatsoever. There's this idea in this space, another platitude of like, the harder you work, the more you hustle, the more growth you have. Like people like Jordan Belfort or Grant Cardone would be like, work harder and put all the effort in. I think our model should be working smarter identifying exactly what you want to achieve and then build the plan to achieve that as opposed to the alternative of just working hard. Working hard without a plan doesn't achieve anything at all. And that's where people end up falling into this burnout phase, frustration, stress, anxiety, where you start comparing yourself to other people, where you feel like you're not moving fast enough. None of these things are effective or healthy uh, for any entrepreneur, let alone human being in general. Um, it's very, very hard to build a business when you don't know what you don't know. You're ignorant to your own ignorance. And here's one thing that I can open up and enlighten you on. Put together what you need to be your plan. What is going to be your goal? What is your odds, right? So you can build a yellow brick road to getting there. Don't keep getting off every single exit off the highway, metaphorically, to try to get to a goal that you've never predetermined in the first place. Focus on actionable advice that you can implement. When you listen to this show, our goal from me, myself and Brian is that you take something anything and implement on it. Not just more information in one ear and out the other. There's other plenty of podcasts out there that you can do that with. Don't just feel good with rah-rah uh, like I'm doing something. 
actually put in the work. Don't build your business based off dopamine and serotonin hits. Build it based off effort. Build it based off the actual process of achieving something that you've put together as your North Star. Don't just fall uh, victim to the hustle culture. Build something that has a plan in place. That is what I believe is the one really key problem and mistake that agency owners, coaches, and consultants consistently make. Putting together a business without a plan in place. Brian, what else have you seen in the hustle culture or mindset that you want to bring up? Yeah, I think this world of micro-influencers and micro-celebrities, a lot, you know, especially in certain industries, some come to mind, Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone, um, I'm thinking of the, the military guy, David Goggins, and a lot of them are an extreme example of an entrepreneur and, and have accomplished pretty incredible things in their life, but their platform gives them obviously the authority to talk on those topics. But sometimes I think the advice is so far removed from what the average person needs to hear, taken so far out of context that a normal person, one, sees it and doesn't truly believe that either one, they can accomplish it, or again, it's just more raw, raw, generic, bland advice versus like how to go actually do something. But two, and even more dangerous, this idea of uh, this reality TV culture we've sort of fallen in love with and the idea of Shark Tank or House Hunters or any of these shows where it's so much easier to watch someone else go chase their dreams, to go do their business. Like Shark Tank, again, you can sit down and watch other people be entrepreneurs. They fail, they win, they make money. It's great, but you can live vicariously through that. And on social media, a lot of people are vicariously living through these influencers and getting this dopamine hit of, oh, I felt like I did something or I made a post today, but they didn't actually move the needle or anything real in their business. So a metaphor that is a little bit newer that I have been using is this idea of a plane in your business where there is a time and place for the hustle mentality and the idea that you need to um, not necessarily overwork, but put in additional work above and beyond what might a normal person might consider reasonable when you're on takeoff. If you're looking at, at a plane, there's a lot of energy involved in actually getting it off the ground. The engines are turning really fast, it's going quickly. You have to pull that plane to get to cruising altitude. So you are sort of like the engine at the earlier stages of your business. You have to get in that hustle mode. You have to pull it off the ground. And when you get to a place where it's comfortable, now we can hit cruising altitude. Now you can back off. You don't have to hustle as much. And you start building the business in a way that it serves you and so you can cruise and not have to continuously be revving that engine, the engine being your energy level, your mental and emotional energy attached to the business and starting to be able to remove yourself from that. So I personally, everyone's got a different mentality around this. Some people like the idea of the hustle culture, but if it's not hustling towards a an end that you actually care about or attach a true reason why to, you'll never really get there. And again, you'll just be stuck on this hamster wheel. So I think knowing when to turn it on and when to turn it off is important. And we'll talk a little bit later about delegating and not doing everything yourself on this episode. But uh, let's move away from this first piece um, or this first mistake. Again, trying to hustle your way to success, not a recipe for success. Number two, though, and the, another mistake I see, and again, this was not just what we see from all of the dozens and dozens of agency owners we work with. This was trying to identify what we did in our business that we did wrong. And this is something I see I did, and I see it over and over again with our clients, which is having no clear offer or pricing or outcome for what they actually do. You have a conversation with someone, you give them a solution you think will work. You'll say, great, I'll get back to you with a proposal. We're going to do A, B, and C for you. And it's going to cost I don't know what sounds fair based on our conversation. Okay, that much. And then you get another deal a couple weeks later that's like, oh, we're going to do X, Y, and Z for you. And I think blank sounds fair because on what they said in the conversation, does that sound fair? Maybe, oh, it doesn't? Okay, we can negotiate. It actually costs this much instead. So you actually are, again, creating these best spoke and best spoke meaning custom offers is crippling you because you are losing the ability to one predictably fulfill that and know who to hire, how much you can spend to hire. But again, that lack of predictability and the lack of systems will keep you stuck because there's no repeatability you can hand off. If it's your time, energy, mental, emotional energy, again, that has to be poured into a project every single time, 
you're not going to be able to scale that way. And we call that the freelancer's trap. Again, we'll talk more about getting yourself out of that in a little bit. We actually did a full episode on the things you should be doing to remove yourself from the freelancer's trap. So I would go check that out as well. But the idea here, and I want you to look at any successful product line that's out there. It could be, you know, Xbox, PlayStation, iPhone, iPad, um, any computer line, shoes. Look at any successful product line and they iterate. They don't always reinvent the wheel. That's maybe 10, 20% of their product line, but their bread and butter of any business, they iterate, they make it better, they get feedback, they seek that out. So this idea of consistently making your offer better over time and accepting that it will never be as good as you want it to be from especially on version one is a mistake that I see people make. They look at what we built, especially when we built with work with coaches, um, and they see this in, they see what we built and they really want to try and have that and emulate that right away. It's just impossible. This has been years and years of work put in, but Alex, I, I think you want to uh, add something and share to this. Yeah. First off, uh, just to go back to something you noted before the idea of like, uh, arguing or being bespoke on the price. Like, remember we made that funny video, the bad sales advice. And one of my favorite part of the video is like, okay, like how much is it going to cost? I'm like, I don't know. You decide. And you're like, well, I uh, got $10 in my, in my wallet and a $15 Taco Bell gift card. How does that sound? And it's, it's like, we were joking about it in the video, but it's so true. Like we see clients, like they come to us and, and we're like, okay, show us your client list, where they came from, what you're offering them and what your price is. And like, they got a Frankenstein agency. They have 17 clients in 14 different niches. Every single one has a different price. One of them is 997, the other is 1000, the other one's 1250 and then 3500. You're like, what is going on? They're all the same thing. It's pretty strange how we do this. Uh, and you're not alone if you've been in this before. Uh, we understand it. it's hard when you're building the business the first time. You, you kind of just want to take in any business you can. One of the things to feel comfortable with, and again, we spoke about this more in the freelancer episode, you have to feel comfortable to say no. If it's not the right fit for someone, it's not the right fit, right? Be comfortable with your price. Be comfortable with what you're doing. I think that's really key. I think a lot of people kind of shoehorn their offer in. Um, instead of trying to create demand, you have to supply demand and people are trying to create it. Um, and the same idea like Brian was talking about with the niche is like people want to switch niches a thousand times. Instead of switching niches, just be better, right? I, I think that's such a challenge that people refuse to take on. Like, nope, solar's hard because of this. Nope, real estate's hard because of this. Nope, you know, the... Uh, X niche is hard because of this. Everyone wants to find this like diamond in the rough. Brian and I have been doing this for so long now, six years. There's not, it's so rare at this point to get a client that comes to us with a niche that we're like, oh wow, we haven't thought about that. Because like, it's all the same basically. And the reality is all the obstacles and problems we have shared insight of all these other niches and they're all the same problems. They're all the same problems. It's just like in a different way, presented in a different frame, whether it's like a sales objection, offer objection, retention objection, whatever the problem is, it's always the same thing. And then last thing regarding the offer and price before we talk about delegation is the idea of selling like ingredients instead of results. Um, and, and Brian was such a big proponent of this right away when he joined us and working together. And it's been such a valuable piece of insight for sales and for anyone that we've worked with in coaching that I think is so key. Like what's the transformation? What's the result that someone is getting when they buy from you? Too many agency owners and coaches are not selling that. What you're selling is like, all right, Brian, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you five Facebook ads and then I'm going to give you a funnel and I'm going to do this. And effectively what I'm, what I'm saying is, all right, Brian, what I'm going to do is give you two eggs and then I'm going to give you cherries and then I'm going to preheat the oven to 450. And then Brian's like, what the hell are you making? I'm like, oh, 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 it's cheesecake. Did you, did you not want, oh, you didn't, you didn't want the, got it. You didn't want the cheesecake. Got it. If they don't want the result, why are you talking about the ingredients? Tell them the result and then you could share some very small level recipe that makes it clear to them like, hey, I know what I'm doing. I know what it takes, but I'll do it for you, right? That's really important. Now, Brian, what else do you have on the offer or pricing idea? Yeah. And um, you brought up some, obviously some really important pieces there as well, but this idea of going back to iterating, you need to seek out the feedback of your actual, not only sales calls, but your actual clients. Who are you working with? How can they improve? What are their competitors doing? What are they seeing in the marketplace that's working? I feel like when you try and create something in a vacuum without any outside feedback, that's the recipe that's doomed for failure. And I want to, I want to give you a real world example of this. I'm not going to name any names. We had a client recently who I wanted them to go speak with at least 
five people in the industry to get some feedback around their new offer. You should be doing this as well, right? Don't just make a new offer before you go get validated feedback for it. Uh, this person went and spoke with um, two people and after those conversations came back to us like, okay, I have this feedback. Now, how do I make individual custom offers for both of them? It's like, no, the idea is you need to have the call, identify a common theme, create a drafted offer and sell that back to all of them, a single offer for all of them based on uh, that feedback you got. So again, just don't selling, um, don't sell based on, um, I lost my train of thought there for a second. I apologize guys. Um, Essentially, don't sell based on what you think they need. You need to sell based on the actual feedback you get. And we're the same way. We're always iterating, getting client feedback, and making that happen. And I think then to Alex's point, um, and this is where I was, I got a little lost. I want to try and make both points at once. But the idea, and this is a massive mistake as well around your offer, you assuming that everyone who gets on the phone with you wants to hear what your offer is versus you having a conversation first to identify if this is actually something they need help with. So the idea of prescribing versus pitching as like a doctor would do, what is your pain? What are you struggling with? Okay, based on what you told me, this is where I want you to go. Now, eventually you'll have as many, you'll have so many of these conversations. You'll be really smart and you'll know in general what they want and have a great offer for that. But if after a conversation you realize, you know what, this person isn't, the best fit for this or I can't get them the outcome or they don't want the cheesecake like Alex was joking don't try and sell them the cheesecake it's not going to work and you even if you get the deal closed will create a massive issue in, a, in that relationship because they didn't really want it in the first place right you might close that deal but if they're not going to be a good fit and you didn't identify those red flags prior to making them your offer you're going to ultimately pay the cost of that with your time and energy dealing with that bad client so food for thought as you're kind of crafting this offer stick with one offer one niche get it right iterate it long term make it awesome and then you can go into other spaces and do other offers that'd be yeah. my advice around that so let's move on to the third mistake and that is not delegating soon enough and at the right times and this We've talked about this a little bit in past episodes, but I think this angle and understanding of it is important. And we'll talk about some different stories, maybe, and ideas around it. But the idea of not wearing all the hats and another version of this we call Superman syndrome is trying to do everything yourself and not believing that someone else is capable of doing it better than you. And I think it comes down to this ego thing where, oh, no one's going to be as good at me at doing this or that or talking to clients yeah. or selling the thing. And frankly, that's your ego talking. And if you think that way, you won't ever get out of your own way to build the business you want because you have to be willing to metaphorically let go of the branch. And this is from the metaphor in the book traction which i love and Great fall book. into the unknown below you be willing you might need to hit a few ledges along the way it's not going to be fun it might hurt but it's a necessary requirement of growth to let go of control be willing to make mistakes um, and not have and have that person not be perfect right away um, and a good example of this for us is content so we uh, are very busy with our business it's got a lot of stuff going on it's been a struggle for us to make content and this show has allowed us to do a um, one really good piece of content per week that our team will go take and distribute for us. But it's been a little bit of a challenge to have, you know, people who create the content on our behalf to find our voice. And it's uncomfortable when we're like, there's this judgment, a fear of judgment. Oh, what if our community or friends, family think about this stupid thing that I post that wasn't in my voice. And you have to get past that and this uncomfortableness and step into that and be willing to have something that flops or makes you look stupid because you know that long-term it's the right path forward. So no that's doubt. one of the tangible example, real world actually things happening in our business right now. Um, but I know that content and especially around like how you position yourself in the marketplace, people are very concerned about that. But no, again, this is part of it. You have to step into that unknown. It's not just no that, it's with client management, it's with fulfillment. So let no me- doubt. I also wanna bring up the idea that you're saying here that I think is key. Uh, in terms of our business. We just sent an email out last week. I think people were loving it. Uh, the, the headline was, I'm the world's worst uh, digital marketing agency coach. And the, the first off, the headline's great. Shout out to Jimmy for it, um, which I think is a, a good eye catcher, right? It's like, wait, why is the coach who, who wants me to buy his stuff saying he's the worst? And, and like, we were listing out the reasons why, because we're not delegating. Now I'll clarify this in a second, but it's like, uh, I take all, all the sales calls or most of them. Um, you know, I take, give one-on-one -on -one time to all of our clients, et cetera. The reason for this, first of all, is 
deciding what you want to do with your time and your business is the key. Brian and I are, are not saying you have to delegate everything. We're expressing to you that you should be delegating the things that are that you don't want to do, right? You can't be bitching and moaning and complaining about things that you're doing. If you're an entrepreneur and it's your business, you can hand it off, right? But if you like it and you enjoy it, then you're allowed to. And the idea behind this like world's worst digital agency coach is that there's so many other coaches out there that don't give a shit about you. They're just like, how do I, how do I sell you on this program? And then how do I hand it off to someone that knows this program for three days and that you didn't want to get insight from? Whereas Brian or I are giving one-on-one -on -one support to every person we work with. Uh, I thought that was just like an interesting angle to also bring up here while we're talking on this. Cool. Yeah, I appreciate that. So uh, let's talk about in which order you delegate things. And this is my opinion. It uh, doesn't mean that I'm right, but based on working again with hundreds of agency owners and coaches, this is the path we typically see that makes the most sense. The first thing would be to get yourself out of doing the actual fulfillment. That is where most people spend the majority of their time. When I say most people, this would be freelancers, small agency owners, small coaches. Um, they spend all their time with a few select group of clients. You need to really find a way to remove yourself from having to do the work to free yourself up on higher leverage tasks, like making the offer better and making your prospecting and sales process better. So the second thing I would focus on outsourcing or getting help with is the actual prospecting piece. Uh, that would be either in the form of um, hiring a VA, investing in ads, just putting money back into the process that removes you to have to actually go one-to-one. -one. And then the third piece would be the sales. I think sales, in my opinion, is the last thing you should outsource because it's one of the most important and intimate parts of the relationship. And you need to have a deep understanding of what your sales process looks like before you can confidently hand that off to someone else. I swear, I, I lose my mind every time I see a newer agency owner who wants to, oh, I'm just going to get sales and prospecting off my plate right away. It's like, how many clients do you have? Oh, only a few. And you're going to give one of the most important parts of your business away to a VA for $3 an hour. Don't do that. You need to yourself validate and prove a prospecting and sales process before you go hand that off to someone else. Now, if you want to pay for support and guidance and to supplement what you're doing, that's fine. You still need to take ownership of what the result is there. And I, I am so sick and tired of someone hires a VA or another prospecting agency, but oh, they didn't get the result in month one or two and I didn't do shit myself. So now I'm just even further behind. Yeah, no shit. Because you trusted someone who didn't really understand your business with the most important piece before you really understood your business. And I think a big part of that comes back to what we spoke about before, which was the offer. You're not clear on the offer. So they're not clear on how to prospect or sell it. So again, they fumble the ball and you can't scale this versus having something repeatable. So I would delegate in that order. Um, I would also say one of the mistakes under this umbrella would be waiting to bring fulfillment in-house for too long, either to a point where it's hurting your margins because you're consistently having to go outsource or use a white label agency, or two, worse, white label agency goes under or cancels or changes on you, and now you've lost the entire fulfillment mechanism of your business. My opinion, white label fulfillment is a bridge to if you are in a place where you don't know how to create the end result you know your clients want. They want X result. They want more appointments. They want more website traffic, higher conversion rates on their e-com site. That thing, you may not know how to do that yourself. So it makes sense to, in a month or two, three months, go a little bit more out of pocket, dip into your margin so you can hire the guidance yeah. with the intention of bringing it in-house so you better control the margins. Alex, what do you want to share around that? Yeah, I think that's huge. You know, I, I think a lot of people might misunderstand us, Brian, here and think like, no, like that doesn't happen. The agencies, you know, stay the course for me. They're a good fit. Or alternatively, I, I'm the person good with ads. So I'll start with there. If you're already good at ads, then you should be building your SOPs and bringing people in-house and managing. I'd say it's like the vast majority of agency owners, in, in my experience, actually know how to do the ads themselves. Most people are the opposite. They're looking for the fulfillment support. Brian and I agree, like fulfillment support in the beginning is massively important. So you can focus on prospecting and sales and let someone else deal with the retention. But like companies, we're not gonna throw anyone under the bus right now, but companies all the time are changing their requirements for the X amount of clients you need to bring on, their setup fees, their pricing, their offers all the time because the reality is they don't give a shit about you because if you're providing them two, three, four clients, they probably have like 200. So they don't care if you leave 
uh, except you care because this is your little nest egg, your business. So you really got to pay attention. Brian and I talk about this all the time. The, the show is the get more clients show. But if, if really we were talking about what we care about more, it's keep more clients. <laughs> That's a lot more important. Keeping the clients matter the most. It's so frustrating bringing in a bunch of business and then losing it all. No one wants that. It sucks. So you really got to make sure you do bring on uh, the right fulfillment in place. Cool. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I would say the last note on delegation, um, it was funny, before I bring that up, I wish someone would have told me all this when I was a new agency owner. I'm like laughing to myself because so many of these things, I remember back when we made iPhone apps, right? It would take us two, three months to make the iPhone app, and we'd get one client at a time for a few grand to do all the work ourselves, and literally for nothing else, we'd do nothing else except for two months, except build the app, and when we were done... We, we just looked up and we had nothing else because there wasn't someone doing the prospecting and doing sales and bringing on more people and building a team. We were doing the work. So I really wish someone told me this earlier on in the process. And now that we're at a place where we have such an incredible team around us to help, uh, I almost take it for granted because just things are getting done that I don't even have to think about in the business that make us look so much better and make it run more efficiently. So um, can't tell you how much we appreciate our team. Shout out POD team and how much you should... Um, invest in building these systems to set yourself up for success so you can have the same thing. One of the easiest things you can do is start to create SOPs, standard operating procedures around how you do something. Now, I don't really care how you document it. It could be in a Google Doc. It could be in a sauna. You could do Trello, whatever. As long as it's a step-by-step -step process, the most important element is to actually record yourself doing it and verbalize that as you do it. So here's a little hack. Next time you do something you know you want to delegate or something you want to develop a system for later or hire for, record yourself doing it with Loom, whatever, video recording, you can use Zoom, I don't care. Verbalize it as you do it. It may take you twice as long, maybe 50% as lo longer than it normally would to do that task, but that will save you the hours of doing that task over and over and over again in the future. So start to look at what areas you want to get off your plate and what you need to develop a process for. So when you hire someone, you're not just like, hey, guess what? You're gonna do this, this, and this. And they're like, okay. <laughs> How do, how do I do it? Uh, you're you're going to set them up for failure, right? Re create repeatable processes. This is how businesses scale past just themselves. And um, you look at any successful even restaurant chain or any successful business, they have these in place. You, there's a reason why Chick-fil-A makes their sandwiches the same in all their locations is there's an SOP for how to make the sandwiches. And it might not be written in a Google Doc, but it's somewhere that's being followed. And I think the most important element that not enough people talk about in this piece is the quality assurance aspect of it. What quality assurance checkpoints are you putting in place where you yourself, a project manager or another team member, maybe a chief operating officer, an executive assistant, is actually holding the team accountable to doing what they're saying so you don't have to micromanage. I, I feel like we still do this sometimes because we miss something or a team member doesn't do something, we have to bring it up, but at least we have a meeting every single week for each category and um, I guess piece arm of our company, if you will, sales, fulfillment, leadership team, operations, etc., where we are holding each other accountable to what's happening every week and that's our quality assurance. So yep. find places where you can have that as well. So again, you have, it's less fearful to give up that control. Now, I'm going to turn this over to Alex now. i got a couple more mistakes we're going to cover. We're on mistake number four. Alex, why don't you break down for us uh, what that is? Yeah, I think this one is like a very important uh, mistake that I hope kind of slaps you in the face a little bit, listener. Yes, you, you, the person listening right now. I hope this slaps you in the face just a little. Not running ads or getting support with prospecting soon enough. Brian and I have spent a lot of time and energy on this show already talking about all the different outreach strategies and community building and prospecting Dream 100 and all the ways to generate business, right? And yet, you've probably listened to a decent amount of our insight and intel, and yet you probably haven't done jack about it, right? You're probably just like, oh crap, he's so right, I haven't done anything. Okay, fine, uh, but you have like a couple clients, right? You're making some money and you're reinvesting your, your money back into ads, right? So that you can generate, but you're not. You're not, oh, wow. Okay, so, you, so you're also not actively prospecting. You're also not hiring anyone to do prospecting for you and you're not running ads, but you're an ads agency that offers ads to clients. Hmm, pretty weird, right? Wouldn't you say? Do you imagine how much more value it is to tell someone when they get on a call with you, how does this process work? 
Remember that ad that you saw that you clicked on that you got on this call with me that you're gonna pay me money at the end of? That's how it works. But you're not doing that. You're not running ads. But instead, all you're doing is just taking a little bit more to pay yourself, right? So you can buy like the Oculus or the PS5 or whatever, right? Instead of reinvesting your profits and being able to scale to the place you want to, instead of focusing on what your cost per acquisition is going to be so you can hire someone on your team after you built the processes and SOPs that Brian just shared before so that they can go ahead and do prospecting for you. You gotta manufacture your luck, right? People talk all the time about like, oh my God, this person's so lucky. They achieved this thing and blah, blah, like, Except the luck that you're talking about is them banging 60 doors down, trying to create those opportunities, calling 100 people, going to BNI every week. Like, what are you doing to actually generate opportunities for client acquisition? And specifically, not getting support with client acquisition and not running ads. You gotta run ads. We've had clients that have generated insane results from literally less than $500. We've had clients that signed up six month, 25K contracts, I'm pretty sure for about 260 bucks. We've had clients that spent about $1,000 worth of ads and generate more than 50 grand worth of opportunity, more than 10K cash collected. What the are you waiting for? I, mu I, I muted myself for you if, if you're listening with kids in the car, you're welcome, right? But imagine I actually said the word, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? This is one of the biggest obstacles and one of the biggest mistakes agency owners make. And it's really that simple. We don't even have to speak on this for 10 whole minutes. Just instead of paying yourself more, reinvest the profits, put in 250 to $500 into ads every single month, period. There's too many people making 60K a year and then spend 58 of it trying to pretend they're living life instead of actually building the business you want and reinvesting your profits. Brian has that story about his rich friend's dad and his truck. Uh, Brian, share that one for us. Yeah, this is one of my favorites. So I grew up in a pretty um, wealthy community, I would say, and a lot of the parents of the friends I grew up with owned their own businesses. I really loved it. It was a lot of blue-collar businesses as well, like construction, like hardworking, like dedicated people who made good money. And I remember I was hanging out at his house one day. They had a beautiful home. Um, and this guy rolled up in a really shitty beat up pickup truck and, um, you know, looked sunburned, had a mustache, dirty shirt on. I was like, oh, like they got someone just coming over to the house to do some work. And the guy pops, he's like, hey, dad, when he pops out of the guy. And this guy drove this like beat up shitty $10,000 pickup truck to his $4 million mansion. And again, he had gotten to a place in his life where he'd been able to actually be living that lifestyle. But just how modest it was that he doesn't need to have anything flashy. The guy's driving the shitty company truck and wearing a t-shirt and he's worth millions of dollars. So I would rather be worth a lot of money and not look rich than look like I'm rich and be poor as shit, which I think a lot of people, especially again, back to this idea of social media and the world we're trying to like front or pretend to be something we're maybe not, or have this um, imposter syndrome that people are judging us because we're not that person. We end up no sacrificing yeah, we're ending up sacrificing the growth of your business because you didn't reinvest that money into ads or a VA. You bought a Gucci belt or something stupid. And again, that's an ex an exaggeration. Yeah. That's what I'm and saying. And just a reminder for someone who had a kid like six weeks ago and had open heart surgery 25 weeks ago, uh, it doesn't fucking matter what anyone else thinks. The only thing that matters is your health, your sanity, your willingness to be able to be with your family. Those are things that matter. Stop going based on the hustle culture of like, I have to have a Lamborghini or I'm the worst person ever. If you want a Lamborghini because it will make you happy, do it, right? Not because you can flex it on Instagram. No one gives a shit. No one cares. Focus on you. It's all good. It's life. There's actually a Drake song for this. I can't remember which song it is, um, but there is a Drake song talking about this idea of like, I know this girl who takes trips and takes extra pictures so she can post it on Instagram later to make it feel like she's still traveling. I forgot what that was. The, it's a great song though. It's, it's all about this uh, mindset that we're talking about. Uh, Drake don't miss, by the way. The dude's just insane. Keeps uh, putting out bangers all the time. What's next? Good song. All right, let's talk about number five. What's next? Here we are. What's next? Number five, no authority building right? No authority building to create yourself inbound opportunities and an easier sales process. Now, when Brian and I are talking about authority building, again, this is where people end up wanting to be like, I have to own a mansion and I have to get a Tesla and I have to have a big ass gold chain. You, you don't have to have any of that, right? 
perception is really important, but it's again, something that you don't have control over necessarily. The only thing that matters is you coming from a place of integrity, from honesty, from confidence, and being able to provide insight and value to create a community culture, to create a vibe. This show we stream live every single week on the Seven Figure Culture Group, and every single week that we stream it, someone messages us like, oh my God, I love the show today, it was great. Uh, I'd love to you know, talk to you about getting support. Again, that is creating this inbound opportunity for us. We didn't reach out to that guy, they were reaching out to us. This opportunity is so important, right? Perception of content is even more valuable than the content itself. Brian and I were talking about this the other day. We had someone join our elite program, which good plug for now, you should join our program and, and get mentored by us. Um, but other than that, he joined our program and uh, I don't think I'd ever seen him before online. Um, and I'm talking to him on the phone and he's like, you know, I've been following you for about a year. I really love your content. I was like, following me for a year? I haven't seen you on like one engagement, not one comment, not nothing, right? I didn't say that to him, but I'm thinking this in my head. And this is what we call the invisible impact, right? I think a lot of people get overwhelmed or concerned that, oh man, that post only got 10 likes and it's not working. The invisible impact matters, right? Just because they're not engaging with it doesn't mean they don't see it. I, I'm a pretty avid Twitter user as my time waster. I don't like any tweets. I don't retweet shit. I don't tweet to anyone, but you know what I do? I see a lot of stuff. <laughs> I see it. I unquestionably see it. When I used to use Facebook before it just became a pile of dog crap with everyone flexing everything, I used to use it and also not engage basically ever. Doesn't mean I didn't see it. I see it. People are seeing your content, but you gotta make the content. You gotta be consistent with the content. I think the thing I'm most proud of of Brian and I in this show, episode number 13, is our consistency behind it. Brian and I are, are you know, pretty good with our work, but we're also you know, easily procrastinating. Um, part of the investment we made to making this show was having a deadline on the show, so we had to do it every single week. Otherwise, we couldn't do it. I even think the week that my son was born, we did it. I don't know if we skipped that week, honestly, but I think we did. We did a few in advance. Yeah, okay. I, think right. I think you're right. I think we're right. So it counts. It still counts. We didn't skip it. But the point is, right, you, you really have to build authority, create your profile funnel, which we've spoken about in other episodes, create the opportunity of becoming a networking magnet where people want to, you know, refer you to everywhere. If you go in like other Facebook groups like ClickFunnels or High Level and you search my name or Brian's name, people are constantly referring us to other people. We're generating business from that all the time because they know, hey, this guy can help you with this thing. Obviously, that comes from a place of love and integrity and care for our clients. But these things are really, really important, right? The other element in terms of like building authority, creating inbound leads, some people don't even ask for referrals. Like if you have clients that are successful, why the hell are you not asking for referrals? Why are you not saying, hey, I can give you a $250 discount uh, next month if you can hook me up with one other blank in your niche that I could work with. You gotta manufacture your own luck, right? Like are you starting to see the through line of all these mistakes? It's like, I think the first mistake we brought up of like this hustle culture is the through line of everything else. Like everyone wants to work so fucking hard instead of working smart. And so you forget all the just logical things. I don't think there's one thing that Brian and I have shared on this episode so far where it's like, oh my God, I never thought of that ever. It's more like, damn, why am I not doing that? Right? That's what we're trying to bring up on this show. So again, why the fuck are you not doing it? Why? What was the purpose? What's the purpose? Brian, talk about the nurturing of audiences in a group. That's really your like real skill, one of your big skills. Yeah, again, the idea of becoming an authority uh, and just making not only an environment where people will come to you, but they'll also see you in a position where you have thought leadership, you are the expert. So your sales process becomes a lot easier and they're already essentially pre-sold. Um, not always, but more pre-sold than they would be if you just met them online or in a networking group. They're actually now in your community. So this is one of our, frankly, our go-to strategy that is the foundation of everything else we do. We pull people into the community so we can nurture them, so we can be the leader, so we can guide the conversation, provide, just like we're doing right now, again, with the show here in this community, not only allows us to um, create content consistently, but establish the authority. So when someone sees this and they go, wow, they really know what they're talking about. 
We don't have to try as hard when they actually get on a sales call and or when we have someone on our team who we delegate to do some of the sales calls, it's even easier because they don't have to have the trust necessarily of the person on the phone they're speaking with. They just see what this company is and what it's about and what the community stands for. And again, makes now life easier on your sales team where they're not having to convince every single person that they speak with rather than just pre-qualify and vet them and then sign them up because this community, this content already pre-sold that person. So I think long-term not having a place where you can lead the conversation and nurture your audience is um, definitely a mistake that a lot of agency owners make. And the last thing I'll say on that is the concept of being an insider versus an outsider. I did a LinkedIn masterclass a while ago and I used... Um, two pictures. One was from an actual TV show called The Outsider. Jason Bateman was like framed as some crazy monster and, and murderer or whatever. And there's a picture of him like with blood all over his face. He looks like a crazy person. And that's what you look like as an agency owner who's just desperately trying to get into an industry, but you've got no passion, no connections, no interest, no, no skin in the game in that space. And they smell you from a mile away. Versus the other picture was a marching band, everyone wearing the same thing, everyone playing their instruments, everyone marching in the right direction at the right time. That's an insider. That's someone who is literally and figuratively walking the walk and talking the talk. And no one's gonna question them when they come into this community or the group because they're a part of that. So in the same way, how are you positioning yourself, not only what you're saying on your profiles and in your content, but what you're actually doing? Are you leading with value? Are you building a community? Are you becoming a part of the community? Or you are just sort of like sitting on the outside waiting for like a straggler to pick up? Like, no, you have to become a part of the community you want to serve. And again, this doesn't happen overnight, but if you want to build a scalable long-term business, you will see this pay dividends after you do it consistently for 12 months, 18 months, two years, et cetera. Love that. I think the, uh, the we have two more for you guys. Um, I just think there's one other note there that I think is key, Brian talking about like, it won't, it won't pay for itself overnight. Like nothing that's worthwhile is gonna happen overnight, but it doesn't mean that there's no value in starting today, right? Because tomorrow you'll wish that you started today. And I know we're, we're hitting you with a lot of these platitudes today, but it doesn't mean you can't go in a group right now, after you watch this show, or after you listen to this clip, right now you can't go into a group of your niche and audience, connect with someone in that group, answer a question, and then have a sales call literally tomorrow. There's no reason that can't happen. It's absolutely feasible. Will every single person in that group know you? No. Will every single person in that group refer you? No. But that doesn't mean you can't create opportunities today. So do not withhold yourself from actually creating growth opportunities for yourself. Uh, and from that, Brian, let's talk about mistake number six. Yeah, I'm actually gonna stay on this just for one second because I think this is something important. We skipped over a sub-mistake of the last mistake. And that is as you start to get into creating content, let, trying to force the content to do all the heavy lifting in the sales process that you don't have to. Hiding behind your content as my puppy dog wants to come in and say what's up. Hiding behind um, your content instead of leveraging it in the sales process. Too many people, they want their content to attract, convert, sell, keep their clients without ever having to talk to someone. It's not going to happen that way. You need to use it to in social media, tangible example, be use it to get people to raise their hand metaphorically, comment and or engage, like, love your posts, so you can go have one-on-one -on -one conversations and talk with them. If you were just using your content and hiding behind it and using it as an excuse to not go speak with people, you're gonna be shooting yourself in the foot because it cannot do all of that for you. And the uh, skill to actually learn how to use content within a full sales process that involves minimal human contact is a lot more than you're probably anticipating it is. So don't think, oh, a VSL or webinar is gonna be my, my golden ticket. It's not, it's not. You have to be having direct conversations with your clients, leveraging content in your sales process and using content on the front end initially to get people to show interest and raise their hand. So that's the last thing I wanted to say around that. Um, I got a co-host here today. Luna wants to just hang out. So I guess she's um, going to be our third co-host today. But the next uh, mistake we're going to talk about, two more and then we'll wrap up today. And I'll go pretty quickly through this one would be only prospecting one-to-one -one versus one-to-many. Now we've talked about different prospecting angles and strategies on this show in this episode as well. But 
we want you at the beginning stages to do things that aren't as scalable. And when you have more money, you can invest in things that are scalable. But at the beginning, you may need to go one-on-one, -on -one, go talk to people in person, pick up the phone, reach out on social media, go back and forth and have conversations one-on-one. -on -one. But if you stay there too long, again, you reach a ceiling because you can only do so much in a single day versus identifying areas where either they can a come to you like inbound referrals ads having a system for those things and also identifying groups where you could sell one to many where are the multi location businesses in your niche what are the franchises what are the associations what are the ponds pools that have the fish you want to work with swimming in go to those ponds and again be an insider become a part of that literally every almost I would say pretty much every single niche has in a group or association for the state or that it's in. Everyone. And the beauty yeah. of those sites is they always show you who the leadership is on the team. And sometimes they just straight up give you the contact information. So all you need to do is find those groups, send that I mean, email from their site, maybe one or two of the people who work there say, Hey, I love the group you built. I'd love to become a part of the community. What does it take to become a member and or a strategic partner? Just ask and now instead of you going one-to-one -one, maybe if you went one-to-one -to, -one to the people inside of an association and tried to earn their trust one at a time the amount of time you save by just going in the back door talking to the person who's running it getting their stamp of approval then being introduced to the entire community you can grow your business in leaps and bounds versus Huge. just one at a time so i really want you to consider practicing not, not just practicing, but implementing new strategies like this into your marketing mix. Now, we talked, actually, we did a whole training on this for a virtual mastermind or a virtual retreat we did for our clients recently and when you should do certain prospecting at certain times. Uh, in my opinion, you always do outbound because you control that and it's essentially free. It just costs you time and or a little bit of money to pay someone to do it for you. Always be warm calling through any of your channels, but eventually your warm calls can become even warmer because now you have ads inbound or content partnerships or strategic partnerships where you have authority so when you're calling they know and they're actually expecting to hear from you but i want you to lock in and get outbound right first ads would be my next recommendation and then simultaneously as ads are being optimized look into strategic partnerships and that one to many approach that'd be my opinion stop doing one-to-one -one long term that is a mistake. Uh, let's move on to the, unless Alex, you had anything you wanted to add there? No, I think you nailed it. It's, that's the key. One to many uh, has to be the long-term strategy. It's how you proliferate your growth. It's how you are able to bring on, go from one client to 10 instantaneously. It's also one other idea I would say, of course you asked me if I had nothing to say and then I said no, and then of course I have something to say. <laughs> that's pretty fun. Always something to say. There's always something to say, but uh, I would say also one other element in terms of like Dream 100, one-to-many approach is like multi-location or franchises is something similar to consider. It's like if you work with a restaurant, does that restaurant have 20 locations? If you work with an attorney, do they have three firms? Um, if you work with a med spa, do they have five locations? That type of model is also one-to-many as well, and you should really be considering that. It's how you proliferate your growth. It does, of course, add risk for retention, but scared money don't make money, baby. Okay, let's talk about number seven here. Let's talk about number seven. Uh, if I can make you smile also when you're listening to this uh, or watching this show, you know, I think we're doing a good job. I hope you're enjoying this and we appreciate your time as always. Um, let's go into number seven uh, and we'll dive in here and talk about the last element here. Uh, I don't know if we, if this is like we saved the best for last, but I, I personally think this is the most important lever we've spoken about through the whole show. Um, and I guess that's saving the best for last. It's knowing your numbers. It's letting the data do the talking. So first and foremost, I think a really key element here is to bring up Occam's razor. If you don't know what Occam's razor is, it's that the simplest answer is most of the time the correct answer. And for some reason, uh, agency owners, coaches, consultants, entrepreneurs in general, human beings really, uh, love making things complex. They think uh, you know making things complex is a better way to succeed. There's actually a very famous um, online movement called like explain to me like I'm five. Meaning if you can't explain this process to me like I'm five years old and a five-year-old wouldn't understand it, probably too complex, right? Now, again, we're not talking about rocket science and what Tesla is doing or SpaceX, right? We're talking about Facebook advertising and growing a business. Like, let's chill a little, right? Like, this is not some like biochemistry cure for cancer. You're, you're generating leads online. It really doesn't have to be so complicated, okay? 
I'm, I'm doing the I'm doing the the snapping. I had to. It's just like it's ridiculous how complicated we want to make this. Go simpler. The more simple you can do, the better it is. And letting the data do the talking is the key with this. So, if you ever heard of the Pareto principle, it's the 80/20 principle. The idea is what 20% of your work and effort is generating 80% of the results. The only way to do that is to actually utilize your calendar and identify what work that you're putting in is generating the most impact on the way out so you can optimize those actions to focus on those things. Otherwise, you're putting yourself kind of stuck in a loop of just doing a bunch of random crap that's not going to achieve what you want because you don't know what's working or not. It's like running ads without having any of the data. It's like, well, is it working? I don't know. Are you getting leads? Maybe. Like, what does that even mean? How can you optimize if you don't know the actual numbers, you know? It's the same idea with like increasing your pricing. I'm no mathematician myself, but if you're increasing your pricing even by $100, which is let's say a 10% increase if you have a $1,000 service, by year's end, if you have 10 clients and it's $100 a piece, you could be adding on 12K. I don't know if I did that math correctly, but I'm pretty sure I did. There's so much opportunity available to you by simple increasing of pricing, simple numbers evaluation. Um, and if you're not good at it, find someone that is really good at it. I'm more than happy to shout him out here today. <clears throat> Adam Rundle, who's our CFO, who we pay every single month to support us on these numbers because I know I'm not great at it. It's definitely not my skill. He has an entire program for this. In fact, in our coaching program in Prospecting on Demand, he made an entire module just for us to talk about these numbers because Brian and I can't do it because it's not our skill. So if it's not your skill, if you're not a mathematician, if it's not your thing to like go crazy with numbers because some people are like in the matrix with numbers like, oh my God, look at this equation I did. And I'm like, what the fuck are you saying? I don't know what you just said. But if you are one of those people, Make sure you're doing the data, doing the work for the data. If you don't understand it, it's gonna hurt you, right? And, and pricing should be based on value, right? Like this minimum of three to one ROI is something that we talk about all the time. The more that they stand to make, the more that you can charge them, the more that you can grow. And I think a lot of people have a concern of, well, if I increase, they're gonna leave. Like most of the time, these nominal increases, people don't even care, they don't even realize it doesn't even matter, right? Make sure that you are getting the best bang for your buck for your clients and for yourself. Not squeezing them out like toothpaste and not just trying to take advantage, but knowing your numbers, getting the best opportunities you possibly can. This is super important. And then lastly, just like knowing how to actually spend your money and where to be investing your money. We spoke about reinvesting your money back into your client acquisition or reinvesting your money back into delegation for team management. But like what you should probably have a baseline of 40% fulfillment costs, so your team is being 40% of your, your revenue, 10% or more, maybe 15% on client acquisition, and then so on and so on, and that's 50% of your money right there. Where's the other 50% going? Think about these opportunities you have available to you and start really doing the, your due diligence on the numbers, letting data do the talking, not emotions. Like People wanna quit so fast in marketing or in, or in building a biz, business instead of like letting the numbers do the talking, right? Brian and I have said some of the similar platitudes through all of them, this, the through line of like this hustle culture or the through line of manufacturing your own luck. Part of all of this is knowing the numbers, like know the numbers, don't just switch things, do better, know the numbers, optimize appropriately, take action. That's the show for today. I mean, that's what it is. That's what we're here to talk about. Brian, anything else you wanna share before we close out? I'll say it again. I wish I knew a lot of this uh, many, many years ago when I was just getting started. And if you're here watching, uh, I would take what we're saying to heart, go back to previous episodes, consume this. We're giving away a lot of good value in these episodes and a lot of actionable things. Don't just listen to it. Make shit happen for yourself. Manufacture your own luck. Love it. Love it. Thank you as always, everyone, for being here. Thank you, Brian, for the co-hosting with me. We had a lot of fun today. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Once again, Get More Clients Show. You can find us on all your favorite podcast platforms and our YouTube clip show and our YouTube show as a whole. You can also join us on Facebook at the Seven Figure Culture Group. And you can join our mentorship program, Prospecting On Demand, if you want more support. Hope you have an awesome rest of your day, whether you're listening to this in the morning, evening, afternoon, or wherever. We always appreciate you. Thank you so much. We'll see you on the next one.